It's easy to forget now, but just going back to this past summer, there had been endless discussion and debate, including right here on this program, about what to do with either Ricard Raquel or Brian Rust. Funny how that's worked itself out. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. I'm in San Francisco getting ready to fly home. It's been a <laughs> it's been an eventful week. It's been fun being around the team for nine straight days. It's not an opportunity that I get too often covering all three of Pittsburgh's teams, but I feel like I learned a lot. And one of the things, might have been the only thing actually, that I'd set in motion before leaving Pittsburgh was that I really wanted to get to the bottom of what it is that's made Raquel and Rust seemingly so interchangeable. Because if you think about it, there's not a whole lot in that scenario that makes sense. A, Raquel and Rust don't have a whole lot in common as wingers. Very different styles, very different approaches. Uh, Both team guys and all that other happy stuff, but not the same player at all. And B, it's not like Sid and Gino have a whole lot in common either, other than being iconic centermen. That's it. That's it. They don't play the same styles. They don't have the same needs. So after a practice earlier this week, I pulled aside Raquel and asked him about this. And he was so thoughtful on the subject that I want to play for you in its entirety, the two-minute answer, the two-minute exchange that he and I had on this. I don't know. I mean, I think... I don't know either. That's why I'm asking. We're all just trying to, uh, like, bring something good Mm -hmm. in every game. And I think... I mean, uh, Rusty knows what he's he's good at as a player, and I know what I'm good at. And I think we're just trying to put ourselves in positions where we can be where we can be good, but also try to make our line mates better. So I think for us, that's um, like do a lot of like dirty work, but at the same time, when, when the chances are there, trying to do our thing and trying to beat guys up. But do you have to change? even a little bit your game or do you think because Sid and Gino are not similar yeah. players do you see what I'm saying yeah I, Gino's gonna come late Sid's yeah. gonna lead you know yeah I mean and I know that uh-huh. and uh, I think it I changed my game a little bit depending on who I'm playing with mm-hmm. uh, if I should play a little bit more give and go or if I should uh create some more space or like give them more space that's cycling with Sid is what you're saying yeah okay (laughs) and I know he's gonna be at all times right when I get it in the offensive zone and then where I where I wanna go after I give him the ball whereas uh, with Gino try to get a little bit more of a read but at the same time like he can beat three players out there and then I, I should try to be open or pick someone for him because like he, he's so dangerous with the puck, yeah. so um, so many. I mean, they're legends in their own way, <laughs> and I mean, try to make them do like what they're. 
the best at, but when I get the chance, bring what I got. You got to do your thing too, cause yeah. Because that, that's going to help them more. Yeah, see what I mean? I mean, there's there's guys that you interview who will give you just whatever static answer first pops into their minds. And then there's something where you can tell that they've actually invested their own thought on the subject beforehand. And if you think about the nature of the way Mike Sullivan has used both of his top two right wingers, there's cause for that. But there's a couple of things that I want to underscore here because I'm not going to be able to graft anything meaningful on top of what Raquel already just shared with you. One, it's very much to the credit of both of these right wingers that for whatever it is that they've accomplished in the NHL, and I know neither of them's a star, but, you know, getting to the NHL and then making it into a top six role is kind of a big deal. You can tell that effortlessly and selflessly They'll adjust their styles. You actually heard that from Raquel to the centerman they're playing with. Now, some of that's just common sense. You're out there on a line. You want to make sure that you're compatible with whoever you're playing with under any circumstance. But everybody's got something they like to do, and they've got stuff that they don't like to do. And between these two right wingers, they found a way to go out there and work with whoever and however. If it's Sid grinding along the boards, if it's Gino coming in late on the rush, whatever it is, their focus has been to benefit those guys because, you know, in turn, it can benefit them too. The other point I want to make, and this one's kind of important because I ride Ron Hextall pretty hard on this show. I mean, I get on his old, you know, the Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen contracts, the Seattle expansion draft fiasco. Uh, it's, it's a list, okay? But I feel like it's worth giving credit to the GM now, now that we've actually seen nearly two-thirds of this season for signing both of these players because he easily could have lost both last summer. These were both good signings. And I know Rust hasn't scored goals the way everyone wants, but all the chances that he gets, you and I know both, both of us know that he's going to put the puck in the net with some ridiculous frequency in the very near future. He's always done that in the past. But for Hextall to get both of these guys in the same summer where he also had to keep Gino and Chris Letang, that's good work. That's good work. Now, if only he'd continued that good work and not done the, the, the capital thing, he'd actually have cap. Oh, see, here I go again. When we come back, J1Q. Why doesn't the top power play just dump and chase? It seems that little blue line pass they do gets disrupted every single time. Well, Ben, it's not just the little blue line pass. In fact, most unfortunately, you've got to pick which little blue line pass you're referring to because they do a couple of them. One of them is the old Phil Kessel play. You know, the drop pass at center ice and then Phil comes late and he skates it into the zone because he can wiggle his way through any kind of traffic. Well, the Penguins don't really have that guy. 
They don't have uh, an Alexei Kovalev or a Sergei Gonchar who could just gain the zone on the power play as if it was rolling out of bed. You can say, yeah, of course, well, you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and that's true, but neither of them has ever really been cast in that specific role. And in fact, Gino, out of anybody, and obviously anything I say about Gino in the hockey sense comes with all due respect, but Gino's never been particularly sharp at that very specific skill. So the first thing that they need to clean up, Ben, and this is a lot of this was uh, painfully evident in particular in the game against Los Angeles, but also out here, I thought even to an extent in the games in Anaheim and in San Jose, they need to do that little drop pass of theirs a little bit further up ice. Is if you just drop it back, you're like your own blue line, they've done this, and they'll drop it back to the top of their own circles. Who are you fooling? Who are you pushing back? What's even the point of it? The idea is to force the opponent to kind of create their own flat-lined wall at their own blue line and then let your version of Phil navigate through the landmine. But if you're doing that all the way back at your own end, you're just another body skating up the rink. The other component is once they get into the zone, meaning the crossing of the blue line, there's got to be something that they do in terms of pulling the parachute. Because what you see right now with the team is they'll cross the blue line and real quick move it over to Sid to the right, Gino to the left. And if the other team is still hovering close to that blue line where they were just milliseconds earlier, That's going to get picked off, and it's going to look really, really bad because it's going to be fired right back down to your own end. So there's got to be some kind of parachute to it. I would love to see, for example, if whoever that is that you dish that puck to to the side holds it for a second and someone else kind of curls around below the defenseman, even if it's just to the wall, you you have an escape hatch. I don't see them doing a lot of that mostly because they lose it right at the blue line. The other one, I mean, no one's going to want to hear this, just fired in. You know, you really ought to be able to retrieve a puck in the National Hockey League with a man advantage. Just fired in. Time your rush so that one of your five people is moving with some speed. Then fired in. Guess who's going to get there first? Hint, it won't be the four guys facing you at the blue line. Really, really good question, Ben. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow when I finally get home. 